welcome to the Chris Burns Podcast. I am so glad that you have chosen to listen. Uh, If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and give us a rating, uh, a good rating, uh, and a good review, and uh, so that we can uh, continue to get our message out there, the message of hope and the message of helping people. Also, if you've just ran across this, maybe from Facebook or some other social media, and you haven't subscribed to our podcast, be sure and do that also. Then that way, every time we release a new one, you'll get a notification on that. Today's podcast is a very special one to me. Uh, I have been looking forward to this. Um, Pastor Dan Woods uh, is our guest today, and he is a very special friend to me. I've known him just for a few short years, and but he has just uh, continually spoken encouragement into my life and into my ministry and prayed for me and sent me words of encouragement and sent me scriptures of correction. I don't know if he planned to send them out as correction, but uh, the Holy Spirit uh, used them as a as a good swift kick in the behind. And sometimes we need that as pastors. But um, he he has always been a very uh, encouraging uh, to me and my my family and my and my wife and my ministry here, and we are so thankful to know Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan has recently retired from pastoring, and currently serves the International Pentecostal Holiness Church as a preacher, teacher, and historian. And he is a phenomenal uh, writer. He's got several books out, and you can find all that out at DanielGWoods.com, and uh, you can find out all the information about him there. He's also on social media, and so look him up there on Facebook. Pastor Dan loves trains, hiking trails, working in the yard, exploring old industrial sites. Him and his wife, Gwendolyn, have five children, and I believe six grandchildren, and one is on the way, and they're looking forward to that. And so it is a pleasure uh, to have Pastor Dan Woods with us on this podcast today. I hope you enjoy. First, I want to say thank you for for being here and agreeing to, to do this, and I've been looking forward to this. It is it is wonderful to have you uh, on the podcast today. A few things that I I know is that we must know history. We must know what what it is, and so, um, and not just it, the history of our our nation, but and not just our town, but our churches also. Absolutely. Why, that that history of our church or or our organization, if you're a, a business leader, uh, is extremely important. And as pastors, we need to know what our local church history is. Right. Um, and we can learn a lot just by sitting down and talking to people. Um, that is one of the one of the things that I try to do every church that I've gone to is just try to find the oldest member and mm-hmm. and go and and sit with them and just. Simply ask questions. I don't take notes. I don't take my phone in usually, or I just I just go in and just start asking questions and and try to listen as much as I can, and then ask questions later. And so, uh, but you wrote in a paper that you presented in 2013. I've done some research on you. Oh, uh, <laughs> I hope I remember it. Uh, from what I understand, <laughs> you presented this um, at the general conference, I believe. Um, oh, yes. But you wrote, this is what you wrote in, in close to the opening of this. You said, um, and this was as you were presenting this, you said this. You said, the scholars here who are not historians may be surprised to learn that the Greek root word for history does not mean to study the past, right. but simply critical thinking. The establishment of rational of a rational chain of cause and effects the critical frame of mind 
uh, lives at the heart of our discipline and requires historians to craft their narrative by, by means of asking and then seeking to answer tough questions about who did what, when, why they did it, and why it matters. Yeah. The last question, why it matters, uh, it is the last question, why it matters, that keeps historians from escaping into the past that so fascinates us. So my first question to you is, why does history matter? Oh, excellent. Um, It matters because we live in um, a very difficult to uh, comprehend moment called the present. Um, Philosophers sometimes refer to it as the specious present because it's, it's not really something that we can uh, nail down. It is that transition point between two larger frames of time, the past, which is everything up to this moment, and the future, which is everything from this moment forward. And so we're operating in something we call the present, but we need to understand that the present is <clears throat> more technically the past becoming the future. So if we are not aware of where we've been, how can we know where we need to go? Um, If we're not aware of our roots, then uh, how will we uh, be aware that we're bearing the right kind of fruit? And I see fruits as future, roots as past, we're the tree. Right. Um, Or we're the branches who abide in the tree. Um, uh, I want to share a verse with you, uh, that was on my heart this morning and it's from the new King James. No, I'm sorry. The, uh, uh new living translation, Jeremiah six sixteen. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around, ask for the old godly way and walk in it, travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. If there's anything we need now uh, (laughs) with our politicized situation and our uh, pandemic reality and the the difficulties that churches have been facing before any of that, um, it's rest for our souls. And so uh, where is that crossroads that we stop and look around? It's wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And wherever you are, it's today. Um, and when you get up tomorrow, it will be today. It won't be tomorrow. Right. <laughs> and it's never yesterday. And um, this old godly way is not necessarily all that people used to do and think and the way they acted. It's the godly way. It was what was godly in that. And there was a lot of ungodly stuff that got accrued to the church over the years. Uh, We have missed the mark. That's what sin means, to Mm -hmm. miss the mark in Greek. And we, um, uh, and there are ways, things that the Lord had us do to reach our culture and community at the time that are no longer relevant. But the message, the way of life, the relationship with Jesus Christ, the 
uh, teaching of salvation, pardon, purity, and power, salvation, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Spirit, doctrine of healing, our understanding of eschatology, uh, end times, that, that we cannot save this world, but there is a Savior coming back for us, and we must live as a witness here. Uh, all of these things are part of our heritage, and when you go back, when you get lost, you backtrack, but not to go backward. You go, you backtrack to find the path where you were once going forward. So all paths, all the old paths lead forward. And we go back to make sure we're on them so that we can move properly into the future. And I hope that doesn't sound too uh, esoteric, but I'll give you an example. Um, for the last 30 years, we've been talking a lot about kingdom theology, and we brought in a lot of eschatology and theology from the Reformed churches, and many have lost their understanding of a imminent premillennial return of Christ. Hmm. Um, I grew up living in the shadow of the second coming. I knew it could end at any moment. I knew that today had a special sense of urgency. I knew that no matter uh, how godly a political leader might be that I would want to support or elect, that person will not bring in the millennial reign of Christ. Um, today, I haven't heard a good sermon on the second coming mm. in probably 10 years. Wow. And... Um, from someone else. I've preached some. I'm not saying they're good, but I tried. Um, oh, I'm sure they're, they're wonderful. <laughs> I think we need I've to, heard you. Oh, you. We wonderful. need to backtrack yeah. and see where we got off. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing with holiness. You know, when we decided that holiness wasn't about your hair, but your heart, um, uh, all of a sudden we had some scenes on the platform that were shocking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So how do we keep from going, you know, just th we threw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Um, and so if we are constantly studying our past and trying to pull out what was vital, what was true, the godly way, the godly path, and make sure that we're still on that, we make our adjustments to reach our culture, but we don't change the heart of the gospel and of who we are. Uh, why aren't people being sanctified? Why aren't they being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a power to witness with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues? Uh, it's probably a complex answer, but my first answer is if we don't preach it, right? All right. People won't seek it. Right. Uh, the preacher has a responsibility to preach it and then find another place in the weekly calendar to teach it. Yep. All right. And you preach to prick the heart. You teach to help the mind. Right. So I hope that wasn't too drawn out. No, of no, an answer. no. No, but uh, as, as you were talking about the, the old paths, a couple couple examples came to my mind. Um, my father drove a school bus whenever he was in high school. And um, dad would be 
76 this year, I think, 77. I don't know. It's older than I am, you know, kind of deal. But um, he he talks about that um, a couple times. He had some dirt roads that he had to drive down, mm-hmm. and several of them had ruts in them. Right. And that whenever he, he, he had been hearing this for several days, several weeks at church, was, uh, a rut is just a grave with both ends of it kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he, he said he got that school bus. He said he saw that. He said, and I, he said, and they told me whenever they started drive when I started driving that route to stay in the ruts. And they kept saying, if you stay in the ruts, you'll make it up this, make it around this curve and up around this road. And he said, I, he said, I was thinking about that and thinking about that and thinking about that. He said, and then one day I decided, you know what? I'm not going to drive in the ruts. He said, and so I pulled up, pulled up the stop sign and came out and got up on that, got up out of the ruts. He said, and then he said, and then it started sliding and slipping. And he said, and I got that bus cockeyed. He said, I got the front up and the wheels were in the back wheels were in the rut. And the, he said, and I couldn't go anywhere. And he said, and I had to go call the the bus shop and say, I need you to come pull me out. And so they sent the, the bus wrecker out there. And when they got back to the shop, the, uh, the bus director said, what'd you do? Didn't ride in the ruts? And dad said, no, I didn't. He said, I told you to ride in the ruts. And what really brought that story out to me was I had heard that in Psalms 23, um, that the path of righteousness can be uh, translated into the rut, the old paths, the ruts that many have gone before. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, that's true. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've got this path that has been the, the holiness path or the, the Pentecostal path mm-hmm. um, ha- that has been paved. Right. And, 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 and yes, there are ruts. And yes, that means we follow the same, the same patterns. Um, that doesn't mean that we get away from that message. No. You know, um, the other thing that came to my mind was whenever Nicole and I decided to get out of debt, we'd had enough living paycheck to paycheck and enough Mm -hmm. of the creditors calling us. We went through a program called, uh, financial peace university Mm -hmm. with Dave Ramsey and changed our lives. But one of the things that we noticed was that in order to make that change, we had to swing that pendulum from from one willy-nilly, whatever goes to extremely strict so that we could come back to that middle mm-hmm. and know how to how to live. Because either extreme is is detrimental and right. you've got to come back to the middle. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think sometimes that's what we did whenever we when we stopped making holiness about the way we look, the way our hair, the way we dress, yeah. we, we swung to the other side instead mm-hmm. of trying to go to the middle. And okay. so how do we bring that back to the middle? Well, I think it's, that was there at the beginning too. They swung too far in good things. And then, so I'll address the past before I talk about the present. Um, uh, when they decided that we were not to be of this world, um, then, uh, humor was banned, you know, oh, man. um, <laughs> um, lighthearted conversation, novel reading. And I'm sure there are many novels that aren't worth reading right? or that are detrimental today and then, um, 
divine healing. Um, some, instead of practicing a belief in divine healing, began to ban all medicines and visits to doctors as a lack of faith and sinful. So even then, they were swinging too far over. Um, you don't, in order not to dress in a worldly fashion, uh, you don't have to look um, dull and drab right? Exactly. <laughs> but that's what was happening. So there was a lack of balance early and then swinging too far one way. And then when we react against it, we swing too far the other. Um, in matter of dress, I always told our churches, um, I got three rules on dress, CCM. And that has nothing to do with a praise team. <laughs> it's, I want you, if you're a member of this church, especially if you're active in ministry, to be clean, comfortable, and modest, mm. right? Yeah. That, does, that doesn't say you can't be fashionable, you can't be colorful, you can't be express yourself in your dress, uh, but we don't need to smell you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to, um, uh, we don't, uh, you, you don't need to be wearing something that would prevent you from uh, moving in the Holy Ghost, because it's too, your shoes are too tight, right. you know, or you're, you're afraid if the spirit hits you, yeah. you know, that you might embarrass yourself. And then modest. Um, and modesty, I think, is the key in terms of balance on dress. Um, modest in what you spend on it, modest in what you're showing, modest in, in, in the form. Um, I think if we can uh, actively teach that, uh, in all areas, uh, Terry Trammell talks about this theologically as the beauty of the balance, but there's a beauty of the balance in terms of how we, uh, our social vision, uh, how we present ourselves, um, um, how we worship. Um, and so when we're conducting a worship service, we want the spirit to be able to lead right? Mm. Uh, but we also need to consider the fact that people have other responsibilities and obligations. And so we want to be balanced in that. Uh, but uh, uh, you don't want to go to a church service uh, at, at 10 o'clock and you might get out 1130, or you might get out at 330, or you might be there in, at, the, at dark. Now, occasionally when the Spirit's really powerful moving, but so much of that is just our desire to look spiritual by saying we had church today yeah. or we couldn't even preach. Well, I don't want to go to a service where there's no word right? any more than I want to go to a service where there's no worship. So I think the role of the pastor as, as pastor teacher, you both preach and you teach and you show people the beauty of the balance, not just theological balance, but living, living the truth in a balanced way. I'm politically interested, you know. I watched the news this morning. Um, I I vote, hmm. right? But I am balanced, you know. I I, I don't demonize the other party. Uh, I don't deify my party. Right. In fact, I, I try not to say my party. I try to be balanced. I want to be engaged as a Christian, right? 
uh, not as a Democrat or a Republican, but as a Christian who comes into that area. And it's the same with, with race relations or the environment or gender issues and all yeah. of these things that we have to speak to. Right. We have to speak to. We need to speak um, not as a member of some earthly organization that won't be here after Jesus comes. Right. We need to speak as members of the only thing that will survive the rapture of the church, you know, and, and that's the, and that's the church goes up and then we come back with Jesus, um, uh, later to yeah. rule and reign a thousand years. And, and it's that kind of balance, I think that we need to teach and preach. Yeah. So how do we, how do we move back into that? Um, holiness message without swinging so far back to legalism because mm-hmm. that's that's really sure. what it was legalism um, but also not alienate um, a group of people that are that are seeking the truth you know because right. um, it is a balance there. right so how do you do that what's the well, best way to do that the or or a good way there are two ways they have to work together. Um, we have to be proclaiming a balanced message that's attractive uh, and anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit based in truth, right? That we're not trying to make monks out of people. We're not trying to create uh, self-righteous oddballs, mm-hmm. right, or anything like that. Uh, but we're simply f- trying to follow the Word of God Uh, according to the spirit of Jesus Christ that is now dwelling in us. We want to walk worthy of him. We want to be, we don't want to be oddballs, but we want to be peculiar. We want to be attractive. We want the Shekinah glow. There needs to be something about our countenance and the way we make decisions and how we live and how we face difficulties that is different from the people in the world. And that should attract them. And so that starts in two places it starts in the pulpit and it starts in the home Mm -hmm. right and and those two things must be there that we're proclaiming a balanced pentecostal holiness message pentecostal is how we live out a life of holiness we want to live lives pleasing to god that will attract others to jesus christ and then the gifts of the Spirit are there to help us supernaturally uh, do that job um, as the world gets darker and darker. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've watched over the last generation or so is that the world is clearly getting, uh, in many ways, very scary. And yet the church seems to think that they're going to step into the leadership of that and straighten it out. Uh, it's Jesus who's going to do that, yeah. right? And we need to be a witness, a witness. And it's it, the pulpit and the pew, they're connected in the home. When right. I say the pew, I'm talking about starting at the home. Right. And um, uh, when I was growing up, we had some legalistic oddballs. And everybody in the church knew who they were, and we loved them. And uh, and 
and uh, we weren't going to let them stop us from cooking on Sunday or, or, you know, yeah. or, or uh, stop the ladies from wearing uh, hose or any of the things that certain, you just let them be peculiar. Yeah. But uh, the majority of the people were balanced. They lived lives that, and where they faced a lot of obstacles, but they prayed and they sang and they went to the altar and they, uh, and they helped each other and they encouraged each other. And they told their friends and family and coworkers and neighbors uh, about Jesus, not about the Pentecostal Holiness Church, yeah. but about Jesus and what Jesus could do for them. And then when they met Jesus, they talked to them about sanctification, and they talked to them about being uh, um, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit uh, to, uh, to be witnesses so that they can help other people. And I think that's what we're, we're missing uh, right now um, in, in so many of the churches that I go to and mm -hmm. the people I talk to. I hope that doesn't sound too pessimistic because I mean it in a positive way. If we could just preach the word and have a core group of people who are living it, right. that that's how Jesus builds the church. Right. And he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church, no matter what you read, the church is, is not going anywhere. Right. Right. Uh, and we need to be make sure that we're in the church, not just being part of a religious organization. <laughs> right. Do, do you think it's here in the and we we really haven't talked about what we had planned to talk about, but but that's the beautiful thing about this is is that it can take its own its own uh, path. Um, but do you think that's here in the last, I'll say, thirty years has become that um, model of invite to church, invite to church instead of tell people about Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and that has... And we plan events. Yeah. You know, uh, so because people like to go to events. We right. want them to come to Jesus. Right. And, and I think the, 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 their heart at the beginning of that kind of movement was in the right place. But we've we've like everything else, especially in America, we we find one thing works, and so let's let's just duplicate that all across the, the right. way. And so, <clears throat> but but like with any duplication, um, I, going back to to VCR tapes, you know, or cassette tapes, you know, that the only perfect. Uh, copy of that was the original first generation first generation <laughs> and the only one the only time that it played perfectly was the very first time it played mm -hmm. because every time other than that it had been stretched through those pinch rollers and stuff and so uh, <laughs> and then we try to uh, we try to uh, 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 fake it by using Dolby techniques yeah <laughs> and other things to improve it improve yeah. the sound and you know um, and that's what we've done is just we've tried to duplicate this from from mm -hmm. from organization to organization to organization. And when you get down to the small church level, mm -hmm. you don't have the the human resources to right. accomplish that. Right. And so how do you how do you work through that? Well, it could be that you shouldn't be trying to accomplish that. Um, would be my answer. So many of these 
systems are drawn from management programs and corporate, um, and we can learn from anything, mm-hmm. right? But what what you need to do in a church of any size is look at the history of that church, uh, keep it within the uh, the covers of Scripture. Also understand what your organization, your denomination stands for, and and then look at your local church. What's the history of that church? It may be 10 years old. It may be 110 years old. Um, when the church started, what has the church done well when it's been at its best and healthiest? Right. What And look at that um, look at that particular history of that local church, or maybe what's been missing in the history of this church. Maybe your church um, uh, has worked hard over the years at reaching all a- ethnic groups in your community, but maybe your church hasn't. Maybe your church has been content, mm-hmm. right? So you were a cotton mill town. So all the workers, almost all the workers were white and working class. And that was your calling. Yeah. All right. And that's all you know how to reach. And there is no cotton mill and, or it's a, it's, it's a warehouse or a storage unit or, <laughs> right. or, or, or high end lofts and your community around you, uh, may still be poor, but it is, uh, dramatically diverse. Right. So you're sitting there in the middle of a group of people and you you don't know how to reach them, Mm -hmm. but here's the problem. That's not a problem because the Holy spirit will show you how to reach them. Right. If you're sitting there and you don't want to reach them. (laughs) Yes. Okay. You are dead in the water. Yep. And you might as well enjoy your museum or nursing home or whatever you want to call it and see if you can't convince someone to come in and tend to you yeah. uh, as a hospice chaplain. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so if you want to reach the community around you, the Holy Spirit will show you how to do that. You can learn from all these different programs and what other churches are doing, but don't enslave yourself to someone else's model. Right. Most of these things are trendy, and some of them are quite worldly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the worldliness will cause you to, you may grow, but you have a church that's not really on track spiritually right. with, the, with the holiness Pentecostal movement. Or you may not grow because um, you implement it on the downside of the trend. Yeah. Right? Exactly. <laughs> if, if you buy all your clothes at Goodwill... Yes. Uh, for your kids, um, they're always going to look nice, uh, but they're going to be uh, they're going to be in five and ten year old fashions. Yeah, and they're <laughs> and they're and and the kids at school are going to let them know. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, a couple of things, and then and then we'll try to move on. Um, I've got a book on my shelf uh, um, called The Great Commission. Uh, connection and uh, Dr. Raymond Culpepper uh, yeah. uh, compiled it, but he makes a he makes a statement. He quotes Dr. Gene Rice, and I've sat and talked with Dr. Dr. Rice many times. And um, Dr. Rice makes a statement. He says that um, the question was asked: Is there anything worse than being lost? 
And he said, yes, there is. He said that if no one is looking for you, mm. he said, that's worse than being lost. And as I thought about that statement and pondered it, I kind of, I added to that is not just no one looking for you, but no one wanting to look for you. Mm. That's worse than, than being lost and not knowing Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you're right. A lot of times in our churches, uh, they reach a point and they think, well, I can't, I can't do anymore. I don't want to do anymore or, or I don't like the neighborhood. Right. And so I'm just going to sit here and, and die. Mm-hmm. And I, when, if, anytime I've run into a church like that, I've just simply said this as your pastor, I did not come to be your undertaker. Right. You know, I'm not going to bury you. Right. Uh, I'm going to do everything within my power to, to lead you in, in the place that, uh, where God wants us to go. Uh, it's a hard thing. Um, but you, you said, you mentioned about buying at goodwill. One of the things that the church does have a problem doing is keeping up with technology. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of churches um, are still operating in 1980 technology. Right. And they're happy with that. How, but but we've got a generation, two, three generations now that is constantly connected. Mm-hmm. How, how do we keep our message? How, how do we communicate that message of holiness in such a way with technology that the younger generations will will stop enough to hear it? No, I mean, we're not talking about receiving it here. We're just talking about reaching them, just stopping enough to, to hear our message mm-hmm. because we do have a good message where the church is the only message of hope, right. you know? So how, how do we, how do we bridge that? <laughs> you need to have a love for all generations yeah. and a desire to understand that uh, a church that is not intergenerational uh, is not following the plan of scripture. Uh, if you look at the Pentecostal experience in Acts chapter 2, uh, there were certain barriers that the Holy Spirit broke down there. One was uh, between male and female, mm-hmm. uh, so that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. The first one was it's for all people or all nations, so Jews and non-Jews, Goyim, Gentile, uh, all ethnicities. So ethnicity is broken down, class is broken down, because it's on your on your servants yes. and maid servants. So it's rich and poor and in between, uh, red and yellow, black and white. It's male and female. Um, all of that. In, and it's generational, old men, young men, specifically mentioned um, in Joel mm-hmm. and then quoted by Peter in the first Pentecostal sermon on the birthday of the church. So if your church is not multi-class, intergenerational, multi-ethnic, and has a place for women in leadership and ministry, you are not a Pentecostal church. I wouldn't right. even say you're a New Testament church. Then. Well, exactly. And you're not going anywhere yeah. in the spirit. Um, so having said all of that, when it's intergenerational, you need uh, to bring them in 
in positions of important work. How can you do that? The latest in communication, art, music, uh, technology, mm-hmm. all of that. There, um, or who do you go to when you can't uh, get your phone to work? You go to your, not your children, your grandchildren. Your grandchildren. Okay. <laughs> so, or, or you find a young one if you don't have grandchildren yeah, yet. <laughs> exactly. And so how do, you, how do you reach the young people? We get the young people to help us. If we're an, a multi-generational church, and if you never have the seniors doing their own thing all the time and the teens doing their thing, if you have them all working together, bringing their unique understanding, the old people have the wisdom yeah. and the caution, right? They know the direction. The young people are the ones who know how to get there today, and they know how to push to speed up the cautious. Mm-hmm. You know, if the young are in charge, you go too fast and burn up. If the old are in charge, you go too slow and die. Yeah. Uh, but if they are in a productive, uh, uh, synergistic relationship, um, then uh, then we have a much better chance. And in our history, if you look at our early history, always um, the most innovative people in the Pentecost Holiness Church have been uh, interested in the latest technology, especially in terms of communication. From B.H. Irwin and the Fire Baptized Holiness Church to uh, buying a printing press and doing mass production of periodicals. The next generation, G.F. Taylor, who... Uh, uh, who was interested in the latest presses, uh, interested in any way of reaching through Sunday school literature, anything he could publish, creating schools, and come right down uh, to the, let's say, the the first blog I ever read and got hooked on Mm -hmm. uh, was Lee Grady, Fire in My Bones. Yeah. Um, through when he was editor of Charisma magazine and using the blog format uh, in between Oral Roberts and the tent and the loudspeakers and, and, uh, yeah. and the record players and the printing press and, and all of these uh, publication of tracks, all of this was the latest cutting edge technology. You know, uh, we went to records as soon as we could and we went to to cassettes as soon as we could. Yeah. We went to CDs as soon as we could, you know, and, and we better be going to whatever people are using today. Yeah. You make a cassette. Uh, most people can't play it in their car. You, I can't even play a CD in my car. Mm-hmm. Right? right. I felt lost. I've got these boxes of things at home. What do I do? Yeah. Um, and so you get young people to help you. Yeah. And, and young people, they're going to grow and mature. You say, well, they're not, they don't know enough. Well, because you're not helping them. Right. While you are, while they're helping you, you are helping them and you'll make them wise beyond their years and they'll keep you young mm-hmm. uh, enough to be relevant right. all the days of your life. Wow. Well, that's that's true. That's true. And that's, that's one of the things that I have mentioned many times to to different ones is when they've called and said, how do I get into live streaming or, you know, broadcast or whatever Mm -hmm. video. And my first question is how many teenagers do you have in your church? 
And, yeah. and if they say, well, none, then my next question is, how many young adults do you have in your church? <laughs> and, and I've had a few times that they go, well, we don't have any of that. And then my next response is, we'll go ask them to bring their grandchildren. Yeah. Uh, tell them we got a job for them. Exactly. Tell them what. You don't have to be saved to run the camera. No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, before you start letting them testify. Yeah, exactly. You get saved. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, the, um, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Robbie James, we had him come Sunday and speak. And um, uh, he tells a story about whenever they were at a church and they were needing someone to operate in, in the control room. And. Uh, he walked in there, um, and they had been been smoking smoking pot. He said, "You know, so we had we had to, we had to make some changes." But but the but their thing was before long before those before that group left that church, mm-hmm. they had gotten saved. Yeah, and I've seen that so many times of of taking taking a, a young person, mm-hmm. e- even as young as nine or ten, and saying, "I need you to do this." This does this interest you? Right, and and letting them, letting them go. Now there are some, like you said, there. That's where the older ones come in because there are sometimes they'll they'll run off and it'll be, you know, the latest uh, TikTok, you know, fad, you know. Yeah. But you got to say now, uh, hold on, and that's where we teach at. Right. And and what I've found is that the most, uh, the best time to teach someone is whenever they are doing something that they enjoy. Right. And that could not. And they want to keep doing it. And they want to keep doing it. And that's not just correction or teaching, teaching technique, but that's also teaching life uh, experiences and life, you know, how to life skills, Mm -hmm. but also how does it relate to the word of God and how Mm -hmm. does it relate to, to the holiness movement? And And back to the question you asked me originally (laughs) about history and why are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah. That's the big question. Uh, historia or critical thinking uh, is about um, asking not is asking why something happened. How did we get from here to here? Yeah, and we've been doing this for about half an hour, yeah. talking about how we got from here to there. Yeah, and how to, now, um, but also asking the question why? Why does it matter? Yeah, and if it matters, it means that we're trying to find that godly old path and get back on it. Yeah. All right. Uh, and leaving some things aside that were either should never have been, or were only for that age, we find the pure part of the path, um, and, and get on that all the paths of God lead forward. You may have to go back to get on a path, but when you get on it, you're not going backward. Right. You're going forward. Right. And that's people who, who love to talk about the past, who even love to study it and write about it. Um, if they only want to find a place to escape into, they're not historians. They're not critical thinkers, right? They're antiquarians. Hmm. They love the things that are no longer Right? They want to escape to another time, which is ultimately a fantasy. And, uh, uh, but if you're a historian, you're fascinated with the past to try to figure out how you got to where you are and where we need to go next. What kind of mistakes do we need to avoid? Yeah. What things uh, did we give up on that we shouldn't have? 
I think we've given up some things that we should have, right? Right. But uh, and we've added some things that we should have, but we saw we've also given up some things that we should never uh, have given up. Um, so, what do you think we've gotten right and wrong in our in our history? Oh, uh, in the Pentecostal movement, um, or the Holiness movement? Yes, <laughs> I think. The most important part of the holiness movement um, is that we do not live for this world, to be accepted by this world, uh, to buy into the lies of this world, the pleasures of this world. Um, we used to sing, this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. Yeah. Right Now, there are some wonderful things in the earth that God created. You know, I love mountains, I love waterfalls, uh, and things that man has created. I love trains. There are all <laughs> kinds of things that I like, old industrial sites. I love to look at them. Uh, but this world tells us to live for certain things. The holiness movement tells us to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, to live to reproduce ourselves, to live to bear fruit, to live to be a witness. Okay, the world says uh, to live for lust, take, yeah. take as much experience, as much pleasure, as much possessions. The gospel says to give. That's not lust, that's love. And so the holiness movement is saturated with a desire for an expression of what they call perfect love. I want to be in this world, but not of this world. We laugh at that statement. We've overused it, but maybe uh, the enemy wants us to laugh at it. Hmm. You know, we're in this world, but we better not be of this world or we will live for the wrong things. And to the holiness movement at its very beginning was countercultural. It said the world's fashions will not govern us. The world's values will not govern us. Uh, that's why they uh, dressed the way they did. That's why they didn't participate in politics mm -hmm. uh, for so long. Uh, and, of course, we can overdo that. But that countercultural, you see, uh, I fell into the countercultural movement in the late 60s uh, and the civil rights movement because of my holiness upbringing, because I knew the world was sorry. And, and full of lies and injustices. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, all that I found in that movement were not God, was not godly, right? Right. But to be countercultural uh, and to be Pentecostal is a desire uh, not to run the pews, you know, although they can be fun. If you're not in the spirit, it can, <laughs> it can be, be dangerous. dangerous. <laughs> um, I've lapped many a church. Uh, inside and out, <laughs> but uh, you and I both, <laughs> it is, um, whew, I feel like going right now, <laughs> but, uh, it, it is a power to witness. It's the gifts of the spirit. Yeah. Uh, we need to, we need to, uh, desire for supernatural power to win the lost in this age. Yeah. Uh, life is short. Life is hard. We need to get out there and win all we can yeah. and disciple all we can and teach them to win and disciple all they can. That's what it means to me to be um, Pentecostal 
holiness. We've also, in our heritage at the beginning, we, were, uh, we had women preachers. We kept that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were also um, uh, uh, a, mu- a multi-ethnic organization. We embraced the new immigrants who got saved and put them in pastorates, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Jew- Polish Jews and Italians. And, uh, and we had uh, black ministers, male and female, in the early years. Mm-hmm. We moved away from that, but we, it's still in our, uh, it's in our social vision. In the 1890s, we set up orphanages and we opposed what was called child murder. Well, actually, it was called abortion. Our preachers called it child murder. Yeah, we've come back to that right. later in our history. So um, I think that um, we've also had a desire to help the poor mm-hmm. um, and to help them and tell them. You can be filled with the Spirit and called to preach. You can be a missionary to India or China. You can pastor a church. You can do better. The Holy Spirit's going to help you. You don't have to be poor. It's not a prosperity message. Right. It's a message of of uplift. And our missionaries um, in uh, many places around the world set up schools mm-hmm. and we set up schools here to teach people how to better their, their lives so that they could make more, give more, uh, raise up more ministers, preachers, raise up more missionaries. Yeah. So those are the things that I think have been in our history all along. And, uh, some of them have slipped away, but we're coming back. We've either come back to them or we're in the process of coming back to them, uh, today. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think we've looking where we're at now and looking at history? What do you think we've learned from history? That we are that we're we're looking back at history Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, we we need to learn from that. And so we've made that change. And so we've implemented those changes uh, and and we're operating in that now. I think. What I've learned is that uh, it's a battle. It requires constant vigilance to stay on the old path, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the old path in 1936 is uh, I'm in 2022. I'm further down that path. It won't look exactly the same. Right. Right. Um, But it's still a path that's going from sin to heaven. Right. And I want to get on that path and be moving forward. And so I've learned that it's so easy to slip off the path. All right. And think you're doing something that's good, that's new, that's novel, that's really going to help us. And then you find out that you have lost your way hmm. and that no one's being sanctified in your church services or if, if a church hasn't had anyone baptized in the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence of speaking in tongues for 10 years, it's because the church has gotten off the path, right? Um, and so we go back and what is it we're not preaching? What is it we're not testifying to? What is it we're not praying for? So we have to fight to stay on that path in our current present time, the path from the past into the future, the path from sin to heaven that the Lord has called us uh, to be on. We've got to be vigilant, examine our hearts, examine our methods, examine the results, be accountable 
for the, the decisions that we make, read about the past, dream about the future, but implement that wisely in the decisions that a local church makes, that a conference makes, that the denomination makes. In those decisions, uh, we are constantly making changes so we can stay on the same path. There you go. There you go. Oh, wow. Pastor Dan, I've just, I've truly enjoyed this. And um, you've got a couple books you want to talk, you want to recommend? I thought I would just, if someone wants to read a little more about our history, um, especially pastors out there, uh, there's so many things to read. And I thought I would just share five titles quickly. Uh, We should always start with a son of our church, who is also the most recognized uh, scholar of the holiness and Pentecostal movements, the late Dr. Vincent Sinan, who was my mentor. And I would suggest you start with The Holiness Pentecostal Tradition, um, published in 1996. It was originally published in 1971 as The Holiness Pentecostal Tradition. That would take you uh, right up to the almost to the present, starting back in the uh, 18th century. Uh, to know more about the holiness background and contribution to the birth of the Pentecostal movement, another wonderful scholar who also went home to be with the Lord recently, Donald Dayton's Theological Roots of Pentecostalism, uh, and that was published in 1987. To understand the um, importance of Pentecostal power and and the desire to evangelize locally and internationally. Um, I like Gary McGee, uh, an Assemblies of God historian and minister who also is no longer with us. Um, Miracles, Missions, and American Pentecostalism. This is one of my very favorite books, and there's so many great stories in it, 2010. To understand the importance of divine healing, And if you think that's not important, it's part of every service. Um, The most famous uh, healing evangelist of all times was uh, Oral Roberts, a child of the Pentecostal Holiness Church. I suggest this um, uh, Pentecostal Healing, Models in Theology and Practice by Kimberly uh, Irvin Alexander. Um, And it was published in 2006. She is a Church of God scholar. Uh, but with past connections to the IPHC. And then for what's going on more contemporarily, um, uh, J. Lee Grady, I mentioned him earlier, his 2010 book, The Holy Spirit is Not for Sale, Rekindling the Power of God in an Age of Compromise. There is so much, for lack of better term, mess uh, out there. And if you think it's not, just watch a a Pentecostal-controlled Christian TV channel for 24 hours. Yes. And you will hear and see things that you will not believe, but many are seeing and believing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they're in our churches. Yeah. Right? Um, and so I, I would uh, highly recommend that, along with his weekly blog um, article, Fire in My Bones, which you can subscribe to online. So those are five books I think are a good starting place and will take us from the holiness roots and John Wesley right up to what's going on on television today. 
today. We'll put all that, all those links to those books in, in the show notes. And uh, Pastor Dan, if anyone wanted to contact you, how could they get in touch with you? Uh, email uh, Pastor Dan Woods, all lowercase, uh, D A N W O O D S at gmail.com. Love yeah. to hear from you. Or Dan Woods on Facebook. There you go. He's on the social. All right. So, Doctor uh, Pastor Dan, I appreciate your time today, and thank you for doing this. And you have just been so um, uh, inspiring and instrumental in the last uh, in my life in the last few few week a uh, few months and years. And uh, every day, uh, just about every day, I get a text from you. And some mornings it's early, and some amen. <laughs> so uh, I wonder what time you get up sometimes because I get those three thirty or four. Those that seek me early shall find me. There you go. Or as go. Uh, <laughs> as Noel Brooks used to say, if I've um, if I hear the larks sound descend and my Bible's not open in my lap, I have missed God. Wow. <laughs> wow. But that's just my thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna make a legalistic there you go. requirement for anyone else. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Because I, I'm I I stay up late, so I I don't I don't get up that early, but uh it, I I try to be up before before you send out the text. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I, I, I do you can just mute me. I, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to miss something important if I mute you. So, uh, but I appreciate you, how you and your wife and your family have just been uh, so, so inspiring to us and, and supportive of us. And we just thank you. And I just, I just counted a blessing to know you and, and to call you friend. It's an honor. And I want to thank you and Nicole for the work you're doing here. This is my wife's home church. As a little girl uh, in her grandparents' church and Draper and Draper Village, uh, it was a delight um, to see what you're able to do here. And yeah. we're praying for you, well, thank you. Uh, to be able to uh, turn this community uh, upside down yes. for Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. That's what it's all about. We just got to reach them for Jesus. And so thank you for uh, being here with us today. I have thoroughly enjoyed having Pastor Dan on the podcast today and in this episode, and I hope you have been blessed by it. Every time that he has, he and I have sat down to talk uh, or text, uh, it has always been encouraging, and I have just thoroughly enjoyed it. And I thank God every time I think of him uh, because he is so encouraging and so uplifting and such a benefit to uh, my ministry and to my family and to everyone that I've, I've talked to. Uh, that knows uh, Dr. Dan and Pastor Dan um, have have all said the same thing of how encouraging he is, and so we just we just love Pastor Dan here at the Chris Burns Podcast. And so, if you'd like to know more about Pastor Dan, just look up his website, DanielGWoods.com, or you can look him up on Facebook at Daniel Woods or Dan Woods, uh, and you can find out all there is to know about Daniel Woods, uh, Pastor Dan, and uh, send him a message, and I'm sure he'll be happy to, to respond to you. Again, thank you for listening to the Chris Burns Podcast. If you wouldn't mind, be sure and subscribe, rate, and review. Give us a review and if you'd like to contact us just send us a, an email you can do that that is in the show notes or you can contact us on uh, uh, facebook instagram 
or Twitter at Pastor Chris Burns, and we'd love to hear from you. Again, I hope this has been encouraging to you and you have been blessed by this. Thank you, Pastor Dan, for being with us. And uh, I pray God's blessings and his favor over everyone that is listening and is a part of this. Thank you so much.